Good morning, Bay Area Church. It is another Sunday morning. We are coming together to spend some time in worship and lifting our Father up. Uh, today is the 19th, and uh, it's a beautiful day outside. We can't wait to start in our worship this morning. But before we do, we've got some quick announcements. Um, first off, if you're watching this at home and you're watching it on Facebook, take just a second to, uh, to share and like, and uh, I think you'll be surprised at, uh, at how God might work through that. Just share this to your timeline. Let everybody who follows you see that you're at church this morning. You're worshiping with us. Um, on the good news front, Benito, our missionary in Venezuela and Ecuador, is now able to hold Bible studies on Zoom uh, by, by phone and by the WhatsApp. So technology uh, greatly expanding his ability to reach others down in, in Venezuela and Ecuador. Uh, he's very grateful to the church for their support, and we certainly are happy to be supporting the work that he's doing down there. Uh, our brother Prasad in Kandakur, India, sent two reports this week. The church there is officially meeting again in person, which uh, I'm sure is uh, something for all of us to be excited about. Um, but even more so, four people have been baptized there. Also, a family that started, uh, that has gone away from the church for a while, started worshiping virtually, and now has come back and reunited with them. So it's a lot of great news, a lot of traction in India uh, continuing, and we're wonderful, uh, wonderful news for us to hear, and very happy that they're continuing to grow. Uh, we need some help. Uh, with one of our ministries here at Bay Area, if you're able to lend some help, the crews who are giving the Saturday communi uh, community meals that are passed out on Saturdays to, to the people around the community here who are in need, they're in need of some help of people to help out on Saturday afternoons with that effort and that ministry. Uh, if that's something that you're able to do, it's certainly a very important and vital ministry, uh, please reach out and, and contact uh, Dwayne Peterson if you can help. Uh, but we're looking for some, some men and women to step up into that role. We've got some prayer requests this week. Uh, we've had a lot of great results from our prayers, and, and we thank you all for keeping these people prayerfully in mind. This week, we want to remember our brothers and sisters who have tested positive for COVID-19. Um, and, and that, of course, is our brother Phil Humphrey, uh, former members who used to meet here, Mike and Sherry Cave, uh, Floris and St. Clair Calixta, Roxanne Goldburn's niece, Courtney Howard, and uh, Meredith Manley's mother, my grandmother, uh, Madeline Albritton. All are facing uh, positive test results and, and various, uh, being affected various ways by, by COVID-19. So we wanna keep all these people in our prayers. Um, also, our brother David Harkins is in the ICU at St. Joseph's and is in critical condition right now. So please keep him in your prayers as well. Moving on from that, we've got some reminders, uh, some good reminders. First of all, let me just remind you all that all of this information and more can be found on vitalconcern.com uh, on the church Facebook page. So please make sure that you're checking in there to keep up to date on these things. Uh, we know, and we've talked about uh, the last couple of weeks, the Payne and Crawl families are adding boys to their families in August. Uh, both are registered on Amazon. Please send them a gift to show your love and support during this time. Uh, with newborns on the way, they're certainly gonna need a lot of prayers and patience. Uh, our food pantry is open every Sunday from noon to one. If, uh, if you or anybody you know is in need of a hand up right now, uh, please let them know that that's available to them. Small groups are meeting throughout the week. If you're not connected yet, check out the website of bayareachurch.org. I know you, you, if you're not connected yet, it's not because you didn't know about it. Tim talks about it every week. Uh, I talk about it here every week. It's really something you should be taking advantage of. So if you're not involved, please be encouraged to, to reach out and Go to the Bay Area Church website and uh, see if you can get plugged in somewhere. Uh, 
The youth group Bible classes uh, are going to be meeting today at 12, just after worship. Go ahead and grab some lunch uh, meet, and meet together. That's going to be on Zoom. Uh, also at 7 o'clock tonight, uh, or I'm, I'm sorry, on Wednesday nights. Uh, Faith Lane is having Zoom meetings. I was able to pop in on a couple of these last week. They're a lot of fun. Check your calendars out and check the Facebook page. Miss Angie's got some more fun lined up for you guys uh, Friday at 1030 or at 3 p.m. So you'll want to be uh, catching up on that as well. Uh, Saturday, August 1st at 630, the very first Bay Area drive-in for the youth group and the Faith Lane families is going to be taking place. And that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, come stay in your car, socially distanced, and watch a movie on a huge screen. Uh, Robbie and Gio are actually going to be co constructing a huge screen somewhere out here in the parking lot. They've got it all set up where you can watch it like a drive-in theater from the safety and comfort of your own car. You're not going to want to miss out on that. And while you're here, uh, the Faith Lane kids will be able to pick up their next set of uh, Faith Lane at Home kits where uh, you'll be have, having some fun activities to do, which will be a lot of fun for you guys, a lot of fun for everyone involved to come and watch the movie. You can also go on the Faith Lane and the uh, Facebook page and vote on which movie it is we're going to watch. So if you want to have some input on that, be sure to do that as well. Again, take a moment to just share this feed on your timeline. Let's, uh, let's see if we can reach out to our community. Let's go ahead and shift our minds into worship. We're going to sing some songs today. We're going to lift our Lord up in prayer and song. We are going to spend some time observing and partaking in the Lord's Supper. And then Tim's going to bring us a great lesson this morning as well. So at this point in time, I think our singers are going to come forward, and our brother Tyrone is going to lead us in the opening prayer. Let us pray. <clears throat> Endearing Father, uh, we thank you for this wonderful day you blessed us with. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to come together uh, distantly um, and uh, this uh, uh, focus on you. Uh, allow us to open our minds, open our hearts, so we can uh, apply anything we learned today from the lesson uh, to our lives. Um, and thank you for all that you do, your grace, mercy, and your love. And thank you for your son. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. <coughs> Let us worship the Father, worship the Father, worship the Father of glory. Let us worship the Father, worship the Father, worship the Father of love. And we will glorify, we will glorify the Lord. And we will glorify, we will glorify the Lord. Sing your praise to the Father, praise to the Father, praise to the Father of glory. Sing your praise to the Father, praise to the Father, praise to the Father of love. And we will glorify, we will glorify the Lord. And we will glorify, we will glorify the Lord. Lift your hands to the Father, hands to the Father, hands to the Father of glory. Lift your hands to the Father, hands to the Father, hands to the Father of love. And we will glorify, we will glorify the Lord. And we will glorify, we will glorify. 
Give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks to the Holy One. Give thanks because he's given Jesus Christ his Son. song we're going to share in communion so if you need to get your supplies real quick uh, but before that uh, Tyrone's going to lead us in Christ alone in Christ alone my hope is found he is my light my strength song, this cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are still and striving Yeah. 
morning. It's nice to be here today. Although my, that wasn't really the point when I thought back at the beginning of the year. Back in March when I first flew into Tampa and my flight was scheduled back out a week from now or a week from then. And here I am four months later still in Tampa. James chapter 4 verses 13 through 16 reads, now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. In this passage, James explains the arrogance of imagining that we have control over the future. In fact, we have very little knowledge over what will happen in the future. And that's one thing I can take away from 2020 for sure. Even our best planning is still subject to God's will. This isn't to say that planning is wrong. In contrast, there's ample discussion in the Bible on the greatness of God's plans. As we take time this morning to reflect on Christ's sacrifice, I want to emphasize God's role as the planner. Acts chapter 2, verses 22 through 24 reads, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. It was through God's plan, crafted with love, that we were given the opportunity to be saved through Jesus. And the same God who worked through Jesus now wants to work through us today. In Philippians chapter 2, just after Paul explains how Christ though he was in the form of God, humbled himself to the point of death. He writes in verses 12 and 13, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. 
Now, the benefit of working with God towards his plans is that he can't be derailed by something simple like a pandemic. There are no problem for him. The only thing that can keep me from God's will is me, my fears, my arrogance, and my selfishness. This is the portion of worship where we take time to reflect on the sacrifice of Jesus through communion, set up by Jesus and described in multiple places in the Bible. One such passage is found in Matthew chapter 26. Verses 26 through 29 read, Now, as they were eating, Jesus took the bread, and after blessing it, broke it, and gave it to, his, gave it to the disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until, the de- until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Shortly after that, the same night, Jesus is talking with the disciples, and he explains to them how they're going to fall away. In verses 33 and 35, uh, it's written, Peter answered him, Though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you, this very night, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, Even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same. If you're anything like me, this passage is painfully relatable. Unfortunately for the disciples, they failed here. It's easy to say the right things, but following through with the plan is much, much harder. For this reason, it's all the more impressive that Christ was able to lay down his life for us. Verse 39 of Matthew 26, describing Jesus, reads, And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. We can take comfort in knowing that our friend and Savior, Jesus Christ, understands the pressure and the difficulty of following through with God's will. And we can be thankful that Jesus was willing to go through with the plan crafted for us by God. Please bow with me. Dear Lord, we are so thankful for everything you've done for us and everything you're planning on doing for us. We're thankful for the fact that you cared for us even before we were born, even before our parents could consider us. You were thinking of us and what would be best for us, Lord. We thank you for everything that you've done for us so far, Lord, and we ask that we're able to continue taking advantage of the plans you've laid out for us. We ask that you give us the strength to follow your will, Lord, and we thank you for the fact that you gave us Jesus and his sacrifice that makes all of this possible, Lord, that gives us a hope for the future. We thank you, Lord, for such a sacrifice, and we thank you for the fact that we're able to come together even when we're apart and reflect on that sacrifice as a body, Lord. We ask that you please watch over us and give us the proper mindset as we partake of the bread and the cup. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen.
We also dedicate a portion of the worship service towards giving back and considering all that we've been blessed with. Typically, when I think about finance and when I think about giving to the Lord, I think about things in terms of what's reasonable and what's going to work out for me well in the future. I think about, well, how much do I need to save today so that I have enough for tomorrow? And how much do I need to, how much can I afford to give so that I can make sure that I still have everything I want for today, everything I want for tomorrow? But in times like that, I like to reflect on Matthew chapter 6, verses 28 through 33, which reads, And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I hope that even in troubling times, we can still remember to seek first the kingdom of God and to make that our primary focus, no matter what worries we may have for today or tomorrow. Please bow with me. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for all that we've been blessed with financially and familially. We thank you, Lord, for everything you've done for us and everything you're continuing to do for us, Lord. And we ask that we remain grateful even when times are tough, even when we're worried, even when we're stressed, Lord. Help us to focus on you. And even when times are going well, Lord, and everything looks great and it feels like we're on top of the world and we've got everything in the bag, let us remember to thank you, Lord, and to give back and to reflect on the fact that this was all made possible through your will. Thank you, Lord, for everything you've given us, from the mundane things, the grand things, Lord. Everything is made possible through you, and it's in your Son's name we pray. Amen. All right, have just a few more songs before Tim comes and speaks to us. Uh, next couple of songs, if you've got kids in the room with you, let them get up and, and uh, help us lead this song for you. Uh, like most of our good kids' songs, when you stop and spend some time with the words, there's some good messages in them for us. And um, it, you can have some good discussions with your kids about these words. Maybe with this one, you want to ask them, uh, why does it talk about blue skies and turn around and talk about rainbows? Most of the time when we have blue skies, we don't have rainbows. <laughs> and uh, you can have a, a good talk about our blessings and blessings during times when things don't look so good. But let's sing it, Blue Skies and Rainbows. Blue skies and rainbows and sunbeams from heaven are all I can see. When my Lord is within me, I know that Jesus is well and alive today. He makes 
since January. This is a song about endurance. And it's a kid's song, but we need endurance too. So uh, think about the words and renew yourself uh, this week as you think about uh, your, your commitment and your perseverance. All right. Now we're going to start on the chorus with this because we need practice. And what happens is, guys, we're going to do... If you're at home, you need to stand up. Okay? Go ahead and stand up. Or actually, don't stand up. I just wanted to see if I could get you up. Now, when the guys, when you sing, sing, I want you to stand up and go sing. And, and ladies, when you sing Hosanna, I want you to stand up and we'll just pop up and down for this. All right? Let's start out with the chorus. Sing. Hosanna. Sing. Hosanna. Sing. Hosanna to the King of Kings. Why don't you sing? Hosanna. Sing. Hosanna. Sing Hosanna to the King. Give me oil in my lamp. Keep me burning, burning, burning. Give me oil in my lamp. I pray. Give me oil in my lamp. Keep me burning, burning, burning. Keep me burning till the break of day. Sing Hosanna. Sing Hosanna. Sing Hosanna to the King of Kings. Why don't you sing? Hosanna, sing, Hosanna, sing, Hosanna to the King. Give me peace in my heart, keep me trusting, trusting, trusting. Give me peace in my heart, I pray. Give me peace in my heart, keep me trusting, trusting, trusting. Keep me trusting till the break of day. Sing, Hosanna, sing, Hosanna. Sing Hosanna to the King of Kings. Why don't you sing Hosanna? Sing Hosanna. Sing Hosanna to the King. Give me love in my heart. Keep me serving, serving, serving. Give me love in my heart. I pray. Give me love in my heart. Keep me serving, serving, serving. Keep me serving till the break of day. 
Sing Hosanna, sing Hosanna, sing Hosanna to the King of Kings. Why don't you sing Hosanna, sing Hosanna, sing Hosanna to the King. Give me joy in my heart, keep me praising, praising, praising. Give me joy in my heart, I pray. Give me joy in my heart, keep me praising, praising. Praising, praising, keep me praising till the break of day. Sing Hosanna, sing Hosanna, sing Hosanna to the King of Kings. Why don't you sing Hosanna, sing Hosanna, sing Hosanna to the King? Yeah, my calves have had their workout. All right, uh, this is an older hymn. Uh, we haven't done it in a while. I wanted to work it in back when Tim was doing his series on love, but we, we ran out of room for it. But I think this one fits not only with uh, that series, but for, with the lesson that he's going to bring us uh, today. More love to thee, O Christ.
going to come after this next song. Nando's going to take us off here with Sign Me Up. I, I know a lot of times at home, maybe you're just sitting there, you might just like listening to the song, maybe you just like hearing it, but try to be excited as you can when you're at home and really get into this song as we'll try to do the same thing here. <clears throat> One, two, three. Now won't you sign me up, sign me up. For the Christian, write my name on the road. Cause I've been changed since the Lord has lifted me. And oh, I want to be ready, ready when Jesus comes. So don't you want to go to that land? Don't you want to go to that land? Don't you want to go to that land where I'm bound? Yes, where I'm bound. Don't you want to go to that land? Don't you want to go to that land? Don't you want to go to that land where I'm bound? Where I'm bound? And nothing but love in that land. Nothing but love in that land. Nothing but love in that land. Oh. Uh-huh. 
Hey, good morning. Glad that you are with us this morning, uh, wherever you are. Uh, we've got some people who are pretty close, and we've got some people who are pretty far away uh, physically, but we're all together this morning. Glad that you're here. I want to tell you about a story that I heard of a guy who um, seemed to always lean a little bit to the left. And I'm not talking politically, uh, I mean literally. He, he leaned to the left. And he had a friend that said, you know, you ought to get that checked out. You ought to go to a doctor, maybe see why you're, you know, a little bit off kilter. And this guy was offended by that. He said, what are you talking about? There's nothing wrong with me. I'm fine. I don't need to see anybody. But not very long after that, he actually went to a doctor. And the doctor discovered that his left leg was just a little bit shorter than his right. And so he was always leaning a little bit to the left. A pretty simple orthopedic procedure fixed it, and, and uh, he was good to go. And that same friend saw him not too long after that, and he said, Aren't you glad that I told you to go see a doctor? Aren't you glad that you got that problem fixed? Because you didn't think anything was wrong with you, did you? And he looked at his friend and he said, I stand corrected. Thank you. I stand corrected. I know they get worse and worse, but there's nobody here to give me that look of, whoa, you've crossed the line from bad to painful. So I'm going to keep telling them, but I didn't tell that joke to make you laugh, obviously. I told you that joke to sort of remind us that we don't like it when somebody tells us that we're wrong. We don't like it when somebody tells us that we're mistaken. We don't like to stand corrected, do we? Not very much. We're in this sermon series, I'm calling Aha Moments, and talking about some times uh, when we are confronted with some realities, when we are confronted with some truths that, that maybe we'd forgotten about, maybe we'd set aside for a little bit, or maybe some things that we just never realized before. And when we're confronted with a brand new truth, we have a decision to make. What are we going to do with that information? Are we going to allow that information to, to change the way we think and the way we act, or are we going to kind of set it aside and keep doing what's comfortable? And of course, we're focusing uh, on spiritual aha moments, those times when we are confronted with a new truth or reminded of a truth about God and God's Word, and we're sort of forced to either embrace that truth, embrace that reality as truth, or slide back to where the, the reality that we've always created. Now, what do you do when you are confronted with the truth about God? When you're confronted with the truth about Jesus? The truth about God's Word. And I mentioned last week, one of the reasons that Jesus came was to teach us and to show us the truth about the Father. You know, people in the first century had the same problems that we have here in the 21st century, and one of those problems was there's a, a lot of misconceptions about God. So Jesus comes on the scene, and Jesus says, Listen, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The words that I speak, I speak them because the Father gave them to me to speak. So throughout his ministry, Jesus has these conversations with people men and women, where he is revealing truth to them. And we see over and over again in these conversations that then these people that are talking to Jesus, that are interacting, listening to Jesus, 
they've got to come to a decision. What am I going to do with what Jesus just told me? What am I going to do with what Jesus just showed me? Would they allow God's truth to transform their lives, or would they kind of retreat back to where they were comfortable? And if you remember last week, we sort of anchored this series in the text in John chapter 8, verse 31. Uh, Jesus is talking to some people who believed him, and he says, If you hold to my teaching, and some translations remember say, If you abide in my word, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. For a lot of people, maybe some of us, we're not really that interested in finding out the truth of God's Word. Because we're so comfortable in the truth that we've created. And sometimes it's a little bit uncomfortable, sometimes it's a little bit painful when we're confronted with the fact that God has not lifted the ban on some sin that I might enjoy. Or God has not changed His mind over some issue that culture has said, no, that's, that's not true anymore. God's changed His mind. No, God hasn't changed His mind. And we've got to wrestle with what are we going to do when confronted with the truth? Now, we like for God to be someone that we can predict. We like for God to be someone that we can control, someone that we can contain. We like for God to be who we want Him to be, and we really like Him doing what we want Him to be doing for us. So over and over again, Jesus has conversations with people. And Jesus just sort of lets the, the light of God's truth shine into their hearts and shine into the situation. And again, those people then are going to have to be forced to deal with the light of God's truth. And sometimes people run to the light. And sometimes, like in our story today, we see people just sort of retreating back into the darkness. We're going to talk about a conversation that Jesus has today. He has a conversation with a young guy, probably a single guy, a wealthy guy. And in this conversation, this young man is going to discover something about himself that he wasn't ready to discover, didn't plan on discovering. In fact, he didn't know it about himself until he met Jesus. And what he is going to discover is he didn't own stuff. His stuff owned him. Uh, we're going to see that it's a moment that, it's an aha moment for sure for this young guy, but instead of embracing the, the light that Jesus is shining here, the truth that Jesus is sharing and revealing, he retreats back to where he's comfortable. And he retreats back to an understanding of God the way he wants to understand God. If you've got your Bible, open up to Mark chapter 10. This particular conversation, it's recorded in all three of the synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. We're going to focus on Mark's account, Mark chapter 10. Uh, it's a story of a conversation Jesus has with someone that we know of as the rich young ruler. Now, the Bible doesn't call him that. But the Bible does say that he's rich. It does say that he's young. And it does tell us that he's a ruler. So it's a pretty good definition of the guy, the rich young ruler. And this seems to be a young guy that doesn't know too much about Jesus. Now, he's heard of Jesus. And he's curious about Jesus. He's certainly not a follower. Um, but he's got a question that he desperately wants answered. 
And this might be a question that he asks of everybody that he knows. I don't know. Might be a question that he's asked of every rabbi that he meets. I'm not sure. It might be a question that, you know, just has, has kept him up at night. But he's got a need to find out the answer to this question. Uh, and he thinks maybe Jesus has the answer. Maybe Jesus can, uh, can su su supply some information for me here. So here's the conversation. It's in Mark chapter 10, beginning in verse 17. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Already it's a little bit unusual. Good teacher, he asked. What must I, key word there, I, what must I do to inherit eternal life? So this young man comes running and he falls on his knees before Jesus. Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And let me be very transparent here. I can't quite decide if this is the greatest question ever asked or if this is a really loaded question that this young man is presenting to Jesus. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it's a brilliant question or if it's really a, a kind of a, a loaded question, but this I am sure of. This is a young guy who really wanted an answer to the question, am I okay? How can I make sure that when this life is over, I'm gonna be okay? How can I make sure that I'm gonna have eternal life? He's looking for some assurances. He's done everything that he knows to do to please God. Uh, he wants to make sure that the right things are going to be in place for him, but he's not positive about it. He's got some apprehension. He's got some doubts. When he puts his head on his pillow at night, he's not exactly sure about his, uh, um, the confidence that he has, that he's done everything to, to have a place in heaven. And uh, he assumes that Jesus, being a good man, might have a piece of that puzzle. Might be able to tell him what he needs to know. So, he asked Jesus, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus actually answers his question with a question, which Jesus does pretty often. Verse 18, why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. Okay, already this story, this conversation is a little bit off, isn't it? Why would you call me good? Well, I'd call Jesus good. Well, Jesus was good. But Jesus says, why do you call me good? Uh, no one is good except God alone. And actually, uh, the Greek here tells us this, this young man's not saying you're a good teacher. His message to Jesus isn't, I know you teach really well. I know you teach so much uh, better than all the other rabbis. What he's actually saying is, I know you're a good man. You're a good person. Um, I, I, I want an answer. And Jesus gives him an answer. It's not the answer that he expected. <laughs> it's not the answer that he wanted. Uh, it's not even exactly the answer he needed. Not yet, at least. Verse 19, you know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. This conversation just gets more and more interesting to me. This man asks, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says, you know the commandments. Now, we talk so often about the fact that the Jews were so focused on rule-keeping. 
And for the Jews, it was all about keeping the rules. And for Jesus, it was all about the heart. So here comes a young guy and asks Jesus this question, how do I inherit eternal life? And Jesus' answer is, keep the rules. Just keep the rules. Jesus tells him, you know the commandments. Keep the, command keep the commandments. And, and of course, Jesus is going to focus on the heart. Jesus is taking this conversation where it needs to go. But I think he's also exposing this young man as someone who has been in the habit of kind of playing the system. This guy's been working the system. Uh, he wants the magic key. How can I work the system? How can I manipulate the rules? What shortcut can I take to make sure that I can inherit eternal life? I want eternal life. I don't feel like I have it just yet. So Jesus, I need some insight. I need some help. What can I do? How can I control the outcome? And again, of course for Jesus, this isn't about keeping the rules. This is about this young man's heart, and he's about to expose that. He is about to shine a really bright light into this uh, conversation. This young guy is about to experience an aha moment. So Jesus tells him, you know the commandments. Follow the commandments. Do not commit murder. Starts with the big one. You know. uh, don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't give false testimony. Don't defraud. Honor your father and mother. Jesus starts going down the list, and this young guy gets a little frustrated. He stops Jesus. He interrupts him and says, wait, wait, stop right there. Um, listen, Jesus, verse 20, teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Interesting. Again, this, this whole conversation is interesting. This guy asks Jesus a question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus tells him, you know the commandments. Don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal. And that young man could have stopped right there. The conversation could have been over. You know, I came to Jesus. I asked him, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And basically, his answer to me was, keep up the good work, son. I mean, this young guy could have turned around right there thinking, okay, I've got my answer. But he continues the conversation. He makes another statement, and in the statement, he's really asking another question. He doesn't just say thank you. You know, he, he's saying, uh, what else? What else do I need to do? Because I've done all these things. Uh, Jesus, uh, you're a good teacher. You know, I'm a good guy. I'm a real good guy. Uh, I've done the Ten Commandments. Don't tell me the Ten Commandments. I've done that. I'm working the system. But I need the missing piece. What else do I need to do? And I so appreciate that Mark included this next statement in verse 21. Jesus looked at him and loved him. So telling of the heart of Jesus. He looked at him. He knows where this conversation's going. He knows where this whole thing is headed. He's not mad at this kid. He's not angry with him. He's, he's not trying to just put him in his place. Now, he is about to drop some really serious truth on him. But Jesus' heart goes out to this young man. And he's able to, to present an aha moment to this young man. He's about to give this guy the opportunity of a lifetime. Notice what Jesus says to him. Verse 21. 
one thing you lack. One thing you lack. Oh, I am so close. I am so close on this. One thing I lack. Okay, let me get my pen and paper out. One thing I lack. Tell me the one thing I lack, Jesus, because I'm going to do it. I got the Ten Commandments down. You're about to give me the Eleventh Commandment. The next thing to do, the only thing apparently I need to do, I'm ready. And when you tell me the only thing I need to do, I'm going to do it so well because I'm a good man like you. I'm going to do it better than anybody else. I'm ready. Lay it on me. Actually, Jesus is going to tell him three things. One thing you lack, he said. Go. Sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then, come follow me. Okay, here's what I am telling you to do. First, sell everything you have. Wait, what? Yeah, first, sell everything you have, give the proceeds. Don't give them to me, give them to the poor. I don't need your money, just give it to the poor. Then you have treasure in heaven, and then, come follow me. Sell what you have, give it to the poor, get treasure in heaven, then come follow me. And this young guy's like, wait, no, no, Jesus, you're not understanding the question. You're not tracking with me here. You're giving me bad information. Um, I want to know how to have eternal life. I just want, I want you to tell me what other rule I need to keep. I want you to tell me what next thing I need to do so that I know I'm going to heaven. And you tell me, Walk away from my life, sell everything I have, give it to the poor, follow you. And I got to think the other disciples are sitting around going, yeah, that's about it. Yeah, that, that, that sounds pretty much familiar. That's, that's what we did. You know, I'm telling you, we listen to this conversation today as Americans. And we think, that's not even the right answer, Jesus. You didn't even give this guy the right answer. I mean, when people come and ask me, when people come and ask you, what must I do to inherit eternal life? We don't tell them, sell everything you have, give the proceeds to the poor, follow Jesus. That's not even the right answer, is it? Well, of course, it's exactly the right answer. Because here's what Jesus knew about this guy. Here's what Jesus knows about us. Uh, here's where Jesus is going to this conversation and with this truth. He's about to, to present this aha moment with this fella. This guy wants to know how he can work the system. He wants to know how he can control God. How can I ensure that God's going to do just what I want him to do? How can I make sure that God's going to act just like I want him to ask, act? But Jesus knew God. Jesus knew this guy, but Jesus also knew God. Jesus knows what God wants. He wants our heart. He wants our love. He wants our loyalty. And he wants us to follow Jesus. Jesus knows, I'm not here to add another commandment. I'm not here to add another layer to some list of requirements. I'm here to lead people into a relationship with the Father. It's what he's trying to do with this young guy. He's trying to lead him into a relationship with the Father. Now, eternal life, what this guy's looking for. Jesus says that's not so much a destination as you think it is. Uh, eternal life is just not just taking it easy in some you know, wonderful place. There's much more to it than that. It goes a lot deeper than that. It's a lot better than that. 
So Jesus says, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you your answer. And I'm going to invite you. I'm going to personally invite you. Just like I invited Matthew. Just like I invited James. Just like I invited Peter. I'm going to personally invite you into a relationship with me. I want you to get rid of everything else that's important to you. And I want you to follow me. I'm offering you a relationship. But here's what I know about you. I think Jesus is telling this young guy, here's what I know about you, young man. Your primary loyalty is to your wallet. <laughs> You're primarily loyal to your wealth, to your possessions. And you're going to have to deal with what your loyalty is before you can start dealing with me and before you can start having conversations about eternal life. You're going to have to change focus. You're going to have to change your priorities. Now, later on, Jesus is going to make this really clear. Later on, he's going to, he's going to share some really clear teaching that talks about the idea that you know eternal life is not just a destination. In fact, eternal life isn't really a place. It's a, it's a person. Jesus says in John chapter 17, verse 3, now, this is eternal life. He's about to define eternal life for us. Pay attention. This is eternal life, that they may, what's the word? Know. Not show up. Not do. Not check a box. Not figure out a way to manipulate the rules. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you've sent. Jesus understands very clearly that eternal life is all about knowing God. And it's about knowing Jesus. It's wrapped up in relationship. So, he looks at this young guy, this rich young ruler, and he says, Okay, I'm going to take you there. I am going to invite you into a relationship. But you're going to have to do exactly what Matthew did. Matthew walked away from his tax collecting booth. You're going to have to do exactly what Peter and his brother Andrew and James and John, what they did. They walked away from the family fishing business. You're going to have to disconnect what it is that you think is most important in your life and replace that priority with me. And then, come follow me. I am inviting you into this grand adventure. I am inviting you into the chance of a lifetime. He wants this guy to know it's not about a routine. It's not about obeying a bunch of rules. It's about following me. It's about a relationship with the Father. Just sell all those other things that are so important. Give it to the poor. Come follow me. And in this aha moment, this young guy is going to discover something about himself. And what he discovers about himself is his heart's desire was not eternal life. It wasn't. It wasn't his heart's desire. His heart's desire certainly wasn't Jesus. What he discovers is his heart's desire was his wealth. That's where his passion was. And he wanted to figure out some way that he could use God to get what he wanted and some way that he could use God to keep what he had. 
Turns out there was something he wanted much more than eternal life. There was something he wanted more than a relationship with Jesus. And he understands, he realizes, okay, I don't own my stuff. My, my stuff owns me. And in that moment, in that aha moment, he tells Jesus, think about this for a minute. He tells Jesus, the Son of God, the Messiah, he tells deity who has invited him into a relationship, hmm, no thank you. He tells the Son of God, no thank you, I'm going to pass. Verse 22. At this the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Sorry, Jesus, I got too much stuff to follow you. Sorry, Jesus, I'm, I'm too busy to follow you. Sorry, Jesus, my life is too hectic to follow you. Sorry, Jesus, I'm too important to follow you. And in that moment, he understood. I don't own my stuff. My stuff owns me. And he understood that, that God doesn't own me. I just want to use God to, to get more stuff. My stuff owns me. And it'd be great if, you know, if somehow that uh, God could help me get and maintain more stuff. This conversation that Jesus has with the rich young ruler. For me personally, and I suspect for you as well, it is uncomfortable. This is a troubling conversation on a lot of different levels, but mainly it's troubling because I'm the rich guy. I'm not the young rich guy, but I'm the rich guy. And you're the rich one too. We are the rich people. And we could and we should talk about that at length. We should talk about our wealth and how we use our wealth. We should talk about whether we own our wealth or our wealth owns us. You know, it's a sermon for another day, but Jesus talks a lot about money. He talks a lot about money for a reason. But for the rest of the time I have this morning, I want to finish up this, this section. I want to finish up this, this thought that Jesus is still sort of in the middle of here. Um, Jesus has been having a conversation with this rich young ruler, but there's his disciples around, and, and they're listening as well. Notice verse 23. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words. Jesus tells those guys who are listening, It is really difficult for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they're amazed at his words, but Jesus is actually going to double down on it. He said again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Jesus understood something about human nature that was true in the first century, and it is true in the 21st century, and I think it's been magnified in the 21st century. I'm about to make a definitive statement, which is sometimes a dangerous thing to do, but I'm going to stand by it. You might disagree with what I'm about to say, but I'm going to stand by it. There is nothing that competes for our love of Jesus like our pursuit and management of wealth. 
the world we live in, the culture we're a part of, I am convinced there is absolutely nothing that will compete with our love for Jesus like our pursuit and management of wealth. Welcome to America. Verse 26. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, Who then can be saved? This is a really hard teaching. Jesus, what you just said, we're having a hard time putting our minds around this thing. This is tough. If you mean what you say, and we're assuming you do because you're Jesus, if you mean what you say, it sounds almost impossible for someone to actually be saved. And then Jesus is going to make, I think, the most profound statement in this whole discourse. Jesus is about to say something that I think that rich young ruler desperately needed to hear, but he never did. Verse 27, Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. See, I think the rich young ruler's problem was he left too soon. He didn't stick around to hear everything that Jesus had to say. With man this is impossible, but not so with God. All things are possible with God. You know, I, I have a hard time believing that. I've got a hard time believing that my heart could be touched in such a way that I really could prioritize my life differently, that I really could see things differently. I, I'm, not sure that, I'm not sure I could ever get there. Seems impossible. <laughs> with man, this is impossible. But not with God. All things are possible with God. I don't know. It seems impossible for me to, to think that maybe, um, maybe I could give up control of some of these things. I mean, I've worked so hard for my stuff. And I've worked so hard to get to where I want to get to. And, and I don't know. I just, I, I'm not sure I could ever be transformed, you know, like you always talk about. I'm not sure that could ever happen to me. It seems impossible. With man, it is impossible, but not so with God. All things are possible with God. This rich young ruler, he really needed to hear that. He just walked away too soon. You know, Jesus wants to know, do you love God? Or are you just using God? Are you using your stuff, are you using your wealth to magnify God? Or are you using God to try to magnify and increase and justify your wealth? I've got a feeling that the rich young ruler was a little bit of a control freak. <laughs> Lots of evidence to that. But you know, we're all pretty much control freaks when you get right down to it. We all really struggle with someone telling us how to live our lives. It is really difficult for us to give up control of our lives and our stuff, especially those of us who have a lot of stuff. It's really hard to give up control. But here's what I believe the Bible teaches. I'm about to make another definitive statement. Here's what I think the Bible teaches over and over again. The Holy Spirit is going to lead you somewhere where you're not going to be comfortable. If you're attempting to follow Jesus, the Holy Spirit is going to ask you to do something that you don't really want to do. And the Holy Spirit is going to ask you to go somewhere that you really don't want to go. 
the Holy Spirit is going to lead you someplace that, that's it's just going to be uncomfortable. Maybe it's a money thing. Maybe it's just like this guy. Maybe God is nudging you into thinking, I need to think again about how I'm spending my money, how I'm using my blessings. Now, maybe there's some different ways that I could be using what God has blessed me with. Maybe it's more than a buck in the collection plate every week. Maybe it's more than, you know, just invest, invest, invest. I don't know. Maybe it's a time thing. We're about as protective as our time as we are of our money, aren't we? Maybe the Holy Spirit is prompting you to spend your time differently. Spend a little more time with uh, maybe people you don't know as well. Maybe spend a little more time with your kids and your spouse. Maybe it's a relationship thing. Maybe you're being led to rethink some of your relationships and how they're affecting your life. The Holy Spirit's going to ask you to go right where this rich young man found himself. Am I going to love other things and use God for the sake of my little kingdom? Or am I going to love God and use other things for the sake of the kingdom? That's the decision the rich young man had, had to deal with and wrestle with. Again, you know, he, he, he chose poorly same decision that, that we're going to have to wrestle with. But here's the good news. <laughs> the Savior loves you. The Savior looks at you and, and His heart goes out to you. His heart goes out to me. He loves us. He loves us enough to show us some things that maybe we don't really want to see. And He loves us enough to make us a little bit uncomfortable sometimes. But he's also loving us enough to offer us the chance of a lifetime. To offer us to come along and be part of the movement. To have a place in the kingdom. To have a relationship with the Messiah. The Son of God. This is eternal life. That they may know you. The only true God. In Jesus Christ, whom you've sent. Let's pray. Father, you know our backgrounds. You know our bank statements. You know what it is that we consider so important in this life. Father, would you allow us the courage to just be honest with ourselves about what our heart's desire truly is? Would you help us to recognize the, the tension that we feel when we think about claiming to love you with all our heart and all our soul and all our mind and strength, and yet we, we put so many other things in the place where only you deserve to be. You've done so much for us. How dare we try to hold on to the things that are so fleeting and temporary. Thank you for loving us anyway. Again, give us the courage to take whatever steps we need to take to, to change our hearts and allow you to transform us. It's in your son's name that I pray. Amen. Our uh, singers have a song that we're going to close with. Again, thanks for being with us today.
restore my spirit, Lord. I need to restore my heart is weary. Please help me, dear Lord. I stand in need of more strength from your word. Renew my love, rebuild my faith. Oh, restore my soul. Revive the fire, Lord, deep in my soul. Stir my desire to work in your fold. Light in my heart, dear God, your zeal grown cold. Renew my love, rebuild my faith, oh, restore my soul. Renew my courage, Lord, it needs restored. My cup is empty, refill it, dear Lord. Replace all doubt and fear with faith so bold. Renew my love, rebuild my faith, oh, restore my soul. Renew my love, rebuild my faith. Great week.